Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it's Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. Here at the channel, you can find podcast interviews, content on a variety of subjects, including football, mental health, films, wrestling, music, and more. You can keep up to date with what's going on on Ace Podcast Nation Twitter page, which is at AceCast underscore Nation. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, All our content goes up on YouTube first, so be sure to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when we upload videos. Uh, Today's show's on football, and I'm uh, thrilled to have another ex-footballer and Cardiff City legend join me. The man which gave me the greatest night out I've ever had. Uh, so on that note, welcome to ex Middlesbrough, ex Cardiff, ex Halifax, Mr. Andy Campbell. Thanks for joining hey, me. Si. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, that goal uh, in a bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just before we go, so we just talked a little bit about about it off air. But um, so yeah, we obviously today there's been a video of. Uh, of Paul Gascoigne struggling mm. again, yeah. um, and like it's just one of those things. Like, like we were just saying, is you just he seems like he's screaming out for someone to to help him. And like you said to the tweet that you'd put up about it earlier, a lot of people were saying sort of, "Oh, he's past help. You can't help him. He needs to help himself." But I mean, you know. While he's still alive, you've got to, people have got to try and help him. And I think, like, we're just, it's almost like you're waiting for this news headlines or radio or Sky Sports News where something's happened to him. And, like, from a personal point of view, he's one of my heroes. But just from a humane point of view, you know, he's a human being. Mm-hmm. I'd rather him be able to get the help and get healthy. And, you know, the, the only headline we have about his death is in, 20 or 30 years' time when he's died of old age. Yeah. Uh, well, he's, well, he's, 
he's a dad as well. He's a, he's a, he's a dad. He's a friend. He's a he's an ex colleague of mine. You know, he's a hero of mine. He, I worshipped him before I played with him, and I, I, I read I read some of the tweets what I'm getting back, and he's beyond help. He's 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 had loads of help. How many how many more chances does he want? This is obviously another cry for help that he needs, and if people are going to ignore the, the cry for help, then. It's only going to end up in one in one way, and, and and you wouldn't like you said a human thing. I wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy you wouldn't you wouldn't want it on your worst enemy. You know he's a he's a generally generally not lovely fella. You know what I mean? He's he's had his addictions. He's he's had his issues. He, he doesn't look very well. You know, but you've got to give him an opportunity to to get it right, and uh, and hopefully someone gives him a chance and uh, and picks him up in the gutter because you know, like you say, you know what I mean? One day it's going to be too late, and and if you're not careful, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I mean. It's my opinion that anyone with sort of mental health issues or addiction issues is that they're never beyond help. It's never too late. Yeah. Obviously, if they, you know, they hurt someone or they break the law or things like that, they're slightly different. But generally, I, I believe that there's that it's never too late. But every time I see like a news story or a video of him or something over the last sort of five, ten years, you know, probably longer, my my heart just drops because yeah. everyone who I've spoken to says, like, he's just such a nice guy and he would do anything for anyone. Yeah, he is. See him, yeah. To see him struggling like that, and, I mean, it must be even worse for, you know, people like you who, who know him and played with him. It must be heartbreaking to watch. But, I yeah. mean... Yeah, well, as I say, you know what I mean, to, to, to play with him and see... You know what I mean? He was like a big kid when you played with him, and he was a he was a lovely fella. Do anything for you, you know what I mean? Always the light and soul of the party. Cause that's just the way he was, and you know what I mean? He's he's still doing that now, but in a in a different way. And he's looking for attention. You know what I mean? The things what he was asking for in the video, yes, wrong, but he can see himself. He's not he's, he's not in his, in his normal state. You know what I mean? He's 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 obviously yeah very drunk. You know what I mean? He's he's confused. His his, his mental state's not great. You know what I mean? He walked into a restaurant apparently, and Harry Redknapp saved him. Um, and just hope that other people just follow suit and keep doing it. You know what I mean? I know the PFA are now getting involved because uh, it was a it was a tweet that Don Hutchinson wrote and the the PFA tweeted back. So hopefully someone can reach out to him and get hold of him and and, and put him somewhere where he's safe and he's and he's going to get the help that he, he thoroughly needs and deserves. In my opinion, absolutely, yeah. Like um, like I, I spoke to Willie Boland the other day. Like I said to you earlier, um, and we did a show on sort of mental health and sport. We it was more about like the the pressures on sort of younger players, but I also show with um, a, a lady called Tracy, who's a sports psychologist. Um, and one of the things that we were speaking about is uh, like young players who are sort of fourteen, fifteen, or have been in the academies for since they were seven or whatever, and then they get to like fifteen, and the clubs just drop them. And she was saying about the you know a lot of them can have sort of mental health issues from that because they only know they've had all their focus all their life on being yeah. a footballer and then they've suddenly been told they're not good enough whereas the clubs obviously are looking for their first team players or next superstar you know yeah. and with it, if they've forgotten about it by the end of the conversation whereas the players they can have an impact on but then on the other end of the spectrum you've got players who have played football for the, you know 15 years or you know or less if they have an injury which ends yeah. their career, um, and they retire. And I, I was trying to find out, like, what sort of things do you know? What's in place to help these players when they finish? Mm. Uh, so obviously you'd know more about that. But like things like the PFA or the clubs they finish with. Yeah. 
Well, the PFA plays that plays a big role. You know, I mean, the the, the put in place. You know, when I packed in, they were they really helpful with me uh, and and put me toward down an education route, and they they helped me through my uh, through my degree uh, and stuff. So I'm very very grateful for them. You know, I mean, they put me on a path and give me a platform to to go into another life where at 14, 15, as a young as a young lad, you probably think you're beyond help, or probably think that it's the worst thing in the world. And you know, what I mean, where do you go from? You're still at school and. Uh, you're not good enough, you know what I mean, your friends are still playing football and you're seeing them making it and, you know what I mean, do you, do you still carry on at football at, at, at a level and try and build yourself back up or do you pack it all together because you think you're not good enough and it's 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 a really tough one, you know what I mean, it, it's, I don't think, uh, I don't think parents help, I think parents put a lot of pressure on the kids and, and want their kids to make it because they didn't. Um, uh, and then you know what I mean. It's the it's the it's the it's the guidance they get when they haven't made it. Uh, also, you know what I mean. That my my brother was a professional footballer before me, so I was always under pressure to make it um, because he'd made it. He was two years older than me, so he was a YTS before I was a YTS. He was a professional before I was a pro. He made his debut before I'd made my debut. So I was always following his footsteps, and that was that was a difficult thing to do. You know what I mean. I ended up playing at a higher level than he did, but it was difficult for me. I found that transition difficult from leaving school to, to try and emulate what he was doing and you know what I mean it was but it was it was also easy because I knew what was what was coming next where if you if you didn't know what uh what the situation situation was as, as trying to be a footballer you you going into it blind and all of a sudden you go in the manager's office and you're not wanted anymore you're not needed you're not good enough and and I can imagine that's the hardest thing in the world for a 14 15 16 year old to to handle because like you say you know I mean you've been there since six seven year old you don't know anything else and and clubs have a responsibility to educate and guide them into another another way of life if that's education or if that's a, 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 a another qualification or i don't know what i don't, I don't know what the answer is but the, the, for me they've got responsibility to do it and you know what i mean if that's the the football association or you wait for or something even another organization then, then something's got to be done because there's too many kids dropping out of the game and probably packing in at a younger younger age than carrying on at non-league or semi-pro or, or, or lower league football at the They've got to be. A, they've got to be. It's got to be accessible for them to to get back into football at some level because they're obviously good enough because that's why the clubs have kept them for that long. So it's just difficult for for parents and for themselves to to get dropped at that age. Yeah, and I think, funnily enough, one of the one of the suggestions or the things which uh, Willie said was that is if the clubs and the coaches prepare those players as they're going up through the ages and say, look, we just want to develop you, help you have different tools to improve you as a human being, improve you as a person, make you a better footballer. And there's a very, very small chance that you're going to go on to be a footballer. Mm. If you've heard that every year, you know, at the uh, assessments and things like this, and then at 15 you get dropped, it's a very different feeling to being the star player or one of the star players in the team all the way up through the age groups being built up as like, yeah, you're playing for us, you're playing for us, you're playing for us, and then being dropped yeah. without much explanation. I think that's a bit different. But like yeah. you say, you know, how many people, and this is what uh, Tracy, the sports psychiatrist, uh, psychologist said, was a lot of these kids then, they just drop out completely. They don't want, they just don't want to play football. They don't want to know. Yeah. And obviously 15, 16 is a difficult age, difficult age anyway. Yeah. And I mean, so it's like, you know how many of those kids who drop out completely could play at a lower league or a you know non-league or go into coaching or physio or you know whatever. There's this you know you, 
Well, I could still earn, they can still earn a good living as well. They could still earn a good living, part-time football, getting a job at the end of it. You know what I mean? And they don't know where that's gonna where that's gonna end up. You know what I mean? You see some fairy tale clubs who are getting the FA Cup third round and make a name for themselves, and then getting a move or they're, they're going to League of Wales. And I look at some of the TNS players in, in the League of Wales, and, and they're playing in the Champions League. You know what I mean? Craig Harrison, you know, ex-team at Man with manager. Yeah, there's the, the, the endless. There's an endless road somewhere. You know what I mean? There's a level for everybody, and it just needs to. Clubs have a responsibility though for me to to find the players' clubs, and just because they're not good enough for a Cardiff City, a Middlesbrough, a Manchester City, and Man United, they're still. Well, the football clubs like Hartlepool United, where Willie went, like Newport County, you know what I mean? Like Swansea City, you know what I mean? The lesser clubs, you know what I mean? There's, there's always lesser clubs for teams to go to, you know? Absolutely. Well, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, though, anyway. No, 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 no. I just, I just said it's a lesser club, but that, that was about it. <laughs> Good man. So, go on then. Well, uh, let's move over towards, uh, towards your career. So, you started with Middlesbrough, it was your home, home team. Hometown club, yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah, I left. Uh, well, same thing. So I signed for Middlesbrough when I was fourteen. We we had uh, it wasn't scholarships, it was sort of quite close. It was a schoolboy form. So I signed uh, schoolboy forms at fourteen. Um, we had games every weekend. We trained once or twice a week, um, which was which was great. It was the same group of lads. We had about fourteen, fifteen players, but we're all we were all aiming to be in that golden ten when we were sixteen years old to get YTS because they told us all the way through there's only going to be ten signed. Um, so that 14, 15, 16 group of lads was going to get was going to get uh, filtered down to ten for ten players, and you wanted to be to be in that ten. You know what I mean? Whatever by hook or by crook. You know what I mean? So when you left school, um, you just needed to be in that group. And thankfully, when I left school, um, I left school on the I think on the Friday, and I, I was back into full time full time full time football by the time Monday morning had came in at nine o'clock so on July the first, which was a fantastic feeling for me personally. All right, but and I mean it must have been. Uh... You know, like it's every boy's dream, isn't it, to play for a, a hometown club as well. So, I mean, are you from Middlesbrough? Yeah, you are, aren't you? Yeah, Middlesbrough born and bred, yeah. You know what I mean? People say that I don't have cliche about playing for your hometown club, but there was no prouder person for me. Every time I pulled that red shirt on, if it was for a schoolboy, um, into my YTS days, you know what I mean? Training every day, because I grew up watching the world at Essen Park, you know. So, when when I went in, in my first day at YTS, straight into Essen Park gate, and it was just like starstruck, you know what I mean? I was cleaning boots of my heroes who were washed on the on the terraces the years about five years previously, six years previously. I'm training with them with these guys, you know what I mean, having conversation, having dinner with them. It's it's just it was just the best feeling in the world. It wasn't just the football side of it, it was the social side of it, the the growing up, you know what I mean? The you know what I mean, quite quickly you had to, you didn't have a choice, you know what I mean? You you you're training with adults, you're not a child anymore. You you're thrown up it's thrown into a into an adult environment and it was just a, the best thing in the world, you know what I mean? Like my friends are asking questions because I'm still a local lad, I'm still living in the area. You know, I I, I knew team selections before everybody else. I, I knew new signings were coming, you know what I mean? You could see people coming around the training ground. You know what I mean? The, the football club at the time when I joined in ninety six was was evolving massively. You know what I mean? Brian Robson had took over the year before and and some of the players, because it was the first Premier League season that I joined, we just moved into the new stadium. You know what I mean? That the club was taking off, and to be a, a, a Middlesbrough lad was just the, the best feeling in the world. And lucky enough for the end of that season, end of that season, I made my debut at 16, just just before the end of the season. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, dream comes true. You know, what I mean? people say about it, it was far, far more than that. You know, because I never thought of me while I was dreams. I would, I would, uh, I would make my debut that early. You know, I, mean? I had a dream that I wanted to play for my football club and for my hometown club, and uh, to tick that dream off at 16 years old was just a. Oh, surreal, surreal, and no one can ever take that away from me. 
No, no, I, I can only imagine. Like, like I played, I was all right. I played like to sort of just under academy level. Yeah, it was like pretty good, but not quite good enough. But like, my older boy has played for the Cardiff development team a couple of times, and like even just watching him in a Cardiff City strip play, like I, it's so like you're so proud, like just seeing it and you're taking pictures and that. So like I can only imagine, you know, like sixteen is two years older than my boy making yeah. your debut is it's, it's mad. So with your before we go to that debut actually, something you were uh, something you said which struck me then was the uh about cleaning the boots and the terraces and stuff like that. Obviously these days I think a lot of us going out of the game, particularly you know, the higher higher levels. I don't think I don't think any I don't think any of the scholars do it now. I don't think you know I mean we we used to go into nine o'clock and then, well we used to be Used to have to be ready for their nine o'clock dressed. We'd do jobs before training, so we'd clean, make sure the boots were clean for our. We all had two pros to clean. My mine was I Janino's and Gary Walsh's, the goalkeeper from Man United's, and you know I mean, I'd make sure all all both of their lads' kits were out, the boots were out, um, everything was in place where they sat in the tra- in the changing room. Um, they'd go training, we'd go training at the same time. They'd come back in, I'd, I'd put their kit ready to wash, I'd clean the boots again for the next day, I'd I'd clean the change room, we sweep the floors, we collect the balls in, we clean the balls in the bath. We would there wasn't wouldn't be a job which 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 was which was nice, but we had to do it. It was just part of part of growing up and you know what I mean, it was we did it for two years and you know what I mean as a as a footballer it was probably one of the happiest times as as a young as a, as a young player because it, it it grounds you it grows you it makes you grow up but it's so much fun as well because there's twenty other or nineteen other lads doing it with you and it's such a, such a good laugh such a good laugh really good. Do you think they should still do it? Because I think yeah, hundred percent, especially boots because yeah, I think uh, it gives you responsibility and and I think when you do make it later on in your career, I think it makes you realise and. Uh, and have a good ground in that, you know. What I mean, what you what you've done and what you where you've been through, because it brings brings you closer together with the play, with other players as well. And you know, what I mean that that, that I'd ask Janino if he wanted his studs, wanted his moldies, what what did he want? Did he did he want anything else? It's it's a conversation between between a superstar footballer and a, and a young YTS who, who who just wants to, uh, you know, what I mean, you're in awe of the, these kind of players, but you know, what I mean, five, two, three, four weeks, yeah. You're not scared about going having a conversation. You're then teammates. You know what I mean. You can have a have a laugh and a joke, and it's just it, it makes you grow up. You know what I mean, both on and off the pitch. And uh, and then when you do kind of play with these kind of players, that they know you, you know them, and and I, and I think it's I think it's I think it's the right way to do it. You know what I mean. I'm not saying to do everything what we used to do because I think uh, I think some of the jobs you know what I mean would take other roles from other people, cleaners and stuff, and, and and take other responsibilities. But I think cleaning boots is not just a kit man's responsibility and, and job anymore. It's uh, it's a collective thing, and you know what I mean. We still had a kit man who, who did all that, but we we still we still got all the boots and and kit ready for our our, our own two players. Yeah, and I think like it builds character as well, doesn't it? And like yeah, of course. Of course. What, and what you don't want is you don't want like sixteen-year-olds thinking that because they've signed professionally, they've made it. They've made it. Yeah. Because that's gonna make that's gonna bring like a not a bad, not necessarily a bad attitude, yeah. but it, you know that could. Influence how hard they work yeah. on the field, because yeah. whereas if you were, you just, it's like your apprenticeship basically. You know, it's like YTS, yeah. like it was when it was YTS. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I. So when did they stop doing that, or when did like most clubs stop doing that? Uh, I think I think it must have been it must have been probably two thousand plus. You know what I mean? Because we're still doing it when when I when I when I 
they probably didn't do it at Cardiff that much. So it's probably yeah, it's probably about two thousand ish, two thousand and one, two thousand and two. But like, it go back to like you know what I mean. You 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 were just be on about there, my debut. So my debut, it, it brought me down to earth then because I had ninety six. So we played Sheffield Wednesday at home. It was a uh, bank holiday weekend. It was Good Friday. Um, uh, we played Sheffield Wednesday at home live on Sky. Um, I didn't know I was going to be involved. You know what I mean. My mum and dad had had a phone call from Brian Robson to tell me that I was I was going to be sub, which they kept from me, which which was fine by me at the time. It was it, it obviously saved the nerves. So I went there to do jobs with a uh, with the kit man, like it was my turn. So I got all the kit ready with him, went upstairs for a pre-match meal, uh, like we always used to do. I mean, when we were helping, helping the kit man, so all the players were having the team talk, and the gaffer named the team, named the sub, named me as one of the five, one of the, one of the five subs, and I was just like. I was gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked. You know, what I mean, he came over and asked me if I was all right, and told me not to be nervous. You know what I mean? That he would only bring me on if, if he needed me to. You know what I mean? The plan wasn't to bring me on. Obviously, he'd, he was trying to make me feel better. I think the whole the plan all, all along was as long as we were winning to, to get me on as long as he possibly could. Um, the game was three one. With we scored the third goal um, with about I think about ten twelve minutes to go, and he told me to get me kit off that I was going to go on, and the ball took about. I think it took about four or five minutes to go out of play. Um, and eventually the ball went out. He, he threw me on for seven, eight minutes and I was just, oh, I was I was, I was, was made up. You know what I mean? I got some decent touches of the ball. You know what I mean? I could see friends and family in the stadium. You know what I mean? It was a sellout, 38,000. And it was just, uh, it was the, the best thing in the world. Finished the game after the game, straight in the change room. The lads having a shower. And there's me doing my jobs after the game, sweeping the floor, collecting kit in, cleaning boots. And, it just brings you back, you know what I mean? I, I knew I had made it, you know what I mean? I just played the Premier League, which was absolutely fantastic, but then I'm doing jobs straight away with the kit man. And, you know what I mean? I remember my mum and dad were waiting outside saying, where have you been? All, all the players that came out ages ago. I said, I've been doing my jobs like like, like, I, was, like I always had to do. And, you know what I mean? Mum and dad said, oh, yeah, good. So you should, you know what I mean? You haven't, you haven't made it yet as a, as, a, as, a, as a player, you know what I mean? You've still got loads of hard work to do. And I knew, you know, I had a good family behind me, a good lot of friends who, who knew exactly what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I knew that there was a, a responsibility which I had to do, and just because I played in the Premier League there, that, that I still wasn't doing jobs, that I knew that the kit man needed me to do my job, and uh, and then we moved on to to bigger and better things, and, and full debut, which happened the week after and stuff, but it was just, that, that game brought me back down to earth, but I, I remember sweeping the floor thinking, I've just played in the Premier League, I'm 16 years old, I've just played in the Premier League, in front of all my family and friends, it just didn't get any better, didn't get any better. Yeah, and you know, there's not many players who make their debut that young, you know, at the general age. I know there's no hard and fast rule, but I mean, yeah. you know, it's generally like 17, 18, 19, yeah. uh, first team. And like, you know, there's obviously a few, which you're in the elite company, really, for the 16-year-old uh, debut. Yeah, well, there's, 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 there's some good, really good names who, uh, who are ahead of me, you know what I mean? There's... Um... Uh, well, Declan Rice and, and um, Jose Baxter and a few of the West Ham lads and uh, you know it's it's nice to be on that kind of a list you know what I mean every time it comes on Sky Sports you know what I mean I seem to get lower and lower which I'm not bothered about you know what I mean no one can ever take my age away but people get younger and younger because people want players to excel and, and, and do it even quicker and you know if, the, if you're the old saying if, you, if you're good enough you're old enough and you know Brian Robson thought I was but I uh, thought I was good enough so I'm just glad that I got the opportunity to play. Yeah, there's uh, this some um, seal of approval, mind, isn't it? Brian Robson, you know, is uh, you know, one of the best central midfielders the Premier League's ever seen or the British yeah, yeah, League has ever seen. Yeah. So if, yeah, you know, well, if he thinks, I think, 
I think it was even better because it, it's come from the the Alex Ferguson mould that you know I mean he, that he's brought through the class of '82, and then then Brian Robson brought through uh, probably over the next three or four years a class of probably seven or eight, maybe ten youngsters, to which got our football club. You know what I mean? Along with some world class players, but we 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 did we did we did the job what he asked us to do, and you know what I mean he he had faith in the young young lads, and you know what I mean obviously he was brought up by by the the best manager probably the the world's ever seen in in Alex Ferguson, so you know he's he's uh, he, he was brought up from the from the from the good cloth anyway. Yeah, and I mean Middlesbrough, you know, he, like you say, he was a club who was on the rise at that point. There was there's some unbelievable players you had like. Yeah. It's just uh, it's a very very good squad. So you played you played about fifty odd games for Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so yeah, so starting in the Premier League, played a lot of uh, a lot of games. Not not the year after I made the debut, but the year after that, I started a lot more games. I think I probably played twenty games in the Premier League, and um, but then the year after I made my debut, I think it was the Carling Cup. Uh, I scored my scored my first goal in the Carling Cup against Sunderland, uh, which was at the Riverside again. An amazing feeling. From a hometown club to score, from a hometown club, but to do it in a local derby at the Riverside was was fabulous, you know. But uh, but yeah, FA Cup games, Premier League games, and and it, it fundamentally helped me help me make my under twenty one debut as well. So you know, what I mean, it was a high profile club at the time that, like you say, you know, what I mean, we had Fabrizio Ravanelli, Alan Boxic, Emerson Janino, Gianluca Festa. You know, we had some world class footballers. Paul Merson come through that come through that revolving door. And, uh, and it helped help me grow up and help me help me become become a better footballer for sure. Yeah, and I think, um, like you say, you had some unbelievable players, and you had, they won some silverware as well over that that period. Yeah, so it, was, yeah. it wasn't just a case of having a good team who played some decent football. They won trophies as well. Yeah, you know, in that. yeah, yeah. So yeah, as well, they performed on the pitch. You got the we got the Wembley finals quite a lot. Um, you know, I know they got relegated. They were up and down. You know what I mean. But we, like I said, the revolving door can be difficult at times to to create that team spirit on the pitch and off the pitch. And you know, I mean, the manager had uh, had it in abundance to get the right players at the right time and and seem to lose a world class player, but then seem to bring in a better one, which you know probably only Brian Robson can do. Yeah. Does it uh, does it surprise you that he never went on to manage much after that? Um, I I always thought he would have managed his country. I always thought he would have been England manager. I always I always thought he had it in him. You know, I mean, when he when he was Terry Venables as assistant manager at uh, Euro '96, uh, I thought it was a natural progression. So when he was Middlesbrough manager, that for me he would have progressed on and been England manager. But he just I don't know if it was just timing or you know what I mean what what he didn't want to do. You know, I know I know he's I know he's very content and happy being. Uh, Man United ambassador, you know what I mean. So left Middlesbrough, went back to Man United, and you know what I mean. Sometimes it's 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 what people want or, or the pressure they don't want. But uh, you know what I mean. I know things didn't end in Middlesbrough the way that he wanted to, and um, and Steve McLaren came in and, and and took his job. But you know that that club was he made them expectations. He made that club what it is now today. You know what I mean. The stadium got built because of him. You know what I mean. The, 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 the players that he, that he brought through the door. So, you know, I mean, that football club will be nothing without Brian Robson. And I think our supporters hopefully will uh, remember him for the good times and not probably the, the, the final season, hopefully. Indeed. So, yeah, you see, he played 50-odd 50 uh, 50 games for Borough. Uh, he scored a few goals, most notably, like you say, against Sunderland. Uh, he scored against Man United in a FA Cup victory as well. which yeah, obviously yeah. Two against Man United that season, we scored. We, we beat Man United in the FA Cup. 
Um, and we played them on a Monday night at the Riverside. We got beat four three, and I was lucky enough to score the first goal. And it's just uh, when when people ask me what my favourite goal is, and it's it's hard to explain because you grow up and you want to play against Man United, you want to score against Man United, you want you to score your first goal in the local derby, and it's all all goals what I have scored that they're so special in just different ways because they're all different. You can't you can't compare them. To, you can't compare two goals. It's just so it's just a difficult question. So difficult. So, from uh, from Middlesbrough, then I think you went on. You came on loan down to Cardiff first, didn't you? And then, uh, yeah. and then uh, you signed for one million. Yeah. To the mighty Bluebirds, and obviously you came when you came to us. We were a club who was being revitalised, uh, you know, ourselves under uh, Sam Man. Things were kicking off, you know, and starting to go in the right direction. Um. So. Did you take much convincing to come down here, or were you interested straight away? Or it must uh, have been a big change moving from you know your hometown. Yeah, it was. Well, things weren't things weren't going um, fantastic at, at Middlesbrough at the time. Uh, Steve McLaren took over, so things were a bit uh, were a bit edgy and a bit a bit touchy at the time. Um, and I remember Lenny Lawrence. Um, he rang me on. Uh, I think he rang me on a when he rang me on the on the Wednesday. Um, and said that the club were interested. He was director of football at the time because it was uh, Alan Cork as the manager. Uh, and then Corky rang me on the Friday and said he was extremely interested uh, in, in bringing me on loan on Monday. Um, uh, that didn't materialise that week because uh, it was FA Cup on the on the Saturday. The beat Leeds two one, which was which was a fantastic. I watched it on the TV on the Sunday. It was absolutely it was one of the best games I've I've seen. The atmosphere was great and and straight away, you know what I mean. I was I was on the phone with my agent on Monday morning, wanting to push the move through. Um, it didn't happen that week. Um, I ran Cork- Corky rang me again on the Friday. He was driving. They were driving down to Wigan um, for an away fixture. I think they got beat four nil. He lost his job on the way home, um, and straight away I thought, oh, there, there's my luck. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd, I'd organised a, a move with two people that I've, I've got full respect for. I knew them both really well. Um, and then Lenny rang me on the Sunday morning. Um, I was very very disappointed because obviously Alan lost his job and uh, and Lenny said that he was going to be taking over and um, and he was really interested in me in me coming down. They were playing Huddersfield on the Tuesday night and he wanted me he wanted me to make my debut and play play on the Tuesday at Huddersfield. So I was I was made up. So I'd uh, I drove down to Huddersfield on the I think on the Monday night um, to uh, to stay in the hotel with uh, I shared a room with Peter Thorne. Uh, woke up Tuesday morning. It was raining from nine o'clock in the morning until we got to the ground on uh, Tuesday night, and um, game got called off, which was my luck at the time. And uh, and then I was drove back to Middlesbrough to drive back to Cardiff to make me debut the following weekend at Northampton. Yeah, Peter Thorne, one of the most underrated footballers to ever play for Cardiff. I think he seems uh, quality. Uh, he was, he was, he was different class. He was, uh, I think, he was, he was the kind of centre forward that the club needed. Um, but um, he was, he was a target man. But he had a good touch. He scored goals. He brought people into the game. And he was just a, he was all round genuine, genuine, lovely fellow as well. He was on, on and off the pitch. You know what I mean? When he crossed that white line, he, he was competitive. But off the pitch, he was just a, a lovely, lovely family man and just got on with everybody. Yeah, he was. Uh... He um, he was really good with the fans as well. You know, if you ever saw him around Cardiff or whatever, he you know he have just all the time in the world to speak to people, take pictures or whatever it may be. And I mean, 
you know, sign autographs more than pictures probably then. Yeah. You know, camera phone, camera phone so much then, was there? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so like I said, you came in, obviously, under Sam and Man. That was a good game to watch just before you move, actually, the Leeds game, wasn't it? Just yeah, to well, uh, get a taste well, I, for it. I think it was a Sam and Man, a Sam and Man factor as well, you know I mean? I'd heard, I'd heard some stories, um, you know, Dean Gordon had just been on loan um, at the time, just before me, from Mid- Middlesbrough, and he, uh, he, yeah, I don't think Dino had a, had a very good time at Cardiff, and um, I remember he, him coming back, and I, I, I told him that I'd agreed um, with Lenny Lawrence I was going to go down, and he, he said all, he, he didn't fill me full of confidence about some of the things he was saying, but, you know what I mean, I was, I was, um, I think my time was up at Middlesbrough at the time, with, um, with Steve McLaren, so, and I needed a fresh move, you know what I mean, I, I was in new Cav, uh, from from Middlesbrough days, um, another 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 couple of lads I'd, I'd I'd been acquainted with. New Paul Brayson from his Newcastle days. New Des Hamilton from his Newcastle days. Um, new Ian Butterworth. New um, New obviously Lenny. You know what I mean? So it, it made sense for me. It was a perfect move at the perfect time. So alone was a was an ideal opportunity for me to see what 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 I liked about the club and also for the club and the fans to to see what what they liked about me and and you know what I mean. I, I was really happy with my football. You know, I scored my debut against Northampton. I scored two of a home game the week the, the week after against Blackpool. Uh, scored a hat trick against Oldham. I think ten days later, and it just took off for me. And it was just, and I'm am a firm believer: if you're happy on the pitch, you're happy off the pitch. And it, I loved, um, I loved my football again. And it just, you know, what I mean, it was, it was the right move at the right time. And I just wish that maybe I could have done it a couple of weeks earlier, so I could have maybe helped. Corky keep his job, or I could have played in the Leeds game, but it, it, it happened, and you know what I mean. I was I was pleased to be to be part of something what potentially was going to be special, and obviously we didn't make um, the progress that we wanted to that that season. We got beat in the playoff semi final by uh, by Stoke City, uh, better side over two legs because they beat us, you know, and, and it was a horrible horrible couple of games really, but um, yeah. But the way we went up the year after made up for it, you know. So it was, you know, it, it was, it, it was a that, people go on about playoffs, and you know, there's got to be winning or loser. And I think only if you've been involved in the playoffs and being a loser, uh, I think you appreciate being a winner. And then you you realise that what happens to the loser as well, because it's it's you know, what I mean, in the semi final and the final, it's that's a it's a horrible place to be in. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. Well, we will get there now. I just wanted to ask you a couple of other other stuff first. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I asked Willie this, and I'm going to ask Cav this next week when I speak to him, is uh, if you've got any funny stories about Sam and Man uh, in your time there, because he's obviously he's got a reputation for being a little unorthodox at times. Um, yeah, go on. Well, I, I was a little bit worried uh, when I first went, because everyone said that Sam used to take them out for a meal and make them eat certain things. So uh, <laughs> when I went to Cardiff, uh, obviously I was supposed to go on the Tuesday, so I went up on the Thursday uh, Lenny and Sam met me in my hotel on the Friday. We went out for a meal, and that was when I was worried. So I was told, I got a phone call saying that uh, car's going to pick you up outside the hotel. You're going to go meet Sam and Man and Lenny around the restaurant. Now, straight away, I was panicking, thinking, oh, where are we going? What am I going to eat? What am I going to be made to do? And and went there, and it was it was such a relaxed atmosphere. He he, he didn't he didn't make me do anything what I was what I was expecting. This crazy gang. Um, persona, which which I'd heard, I was and when, when I got, when I went back to the hotel, the first thing we, when we dad when 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 my dad rang, he said, "I was I was your night. Did you meet the chairman? What did he make you do?" And I was like, "Nothing, honestly, nothing. He didn't make me do anything." I was I don't know if I was a little bit relieved or disappointed. I was it would uh, I had heard some stories, and Cav might be at the filling room with something more 
uh, more funny than, than than I just said that. But no, it was it was it was fabulous for me. You know, the, the walking around the, the the ground during the game was something new to me. Um, but it, it was such a refreshing thing to watch, and it got the crowd going. If if the game wasn't going the way that the players wanted it to, and you know, I mean, I know obviously the FA got involved and uh, and 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 him has been doing it, but what harm was he doing? You know what I mean? He was he was he was he was interacting with his own supporters. You know what I mean? And uh, and I I don't see anything wrong with it. You know what I mean? It's obviously not a, a chairman thing to do, and everything's. Uh, Executive box this, executive box that, but you know, I mean, for me, he was, he was, he was old school, and he was uh, brought up by the crazy gang, and, and he wanted to bring that to a new football club, and you know, I mean, he, he certainly, he certainly got involved within the changing room and brought, uh, brought, brought the players together with, with, with the rest of the staff, and you know, what I mean, and, and, and the fans alike, because he just wanted us all to be one united group, and, and I think we were, and I think we showed that on the pitch. Yeah, I think he brought the club together. I mean, I know, you know. Cardiff fans now have got different views of him because of some stuff which happened, you know, towards the end and after he left. Yeah. But I mean, at that time, he brought everyone together. He brought people back to, you know, to the crowd, to the you yeah. know, to the stadium to watch. He got the, the crowds were up. He got the players and the crowd was working together. They, you know, there was more access to the players than before for things like autographs and. You know, waiting yeah. out ground. Maybe in the months prior to sort of him coming in, the players would have been like one, one, you know, one autograph and gone. Yeah. Yeah. At the, after the games, which you know is fair enough, especially if the results are not great, you don't feel like staying and signing a load of autographs. But everything just felt very together. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think he was very I think he was very uh, very united and wanted. You know, what I mean, he, he told us quite regular how important supporters were and how important you know what I mean that the changing room was and you can win a lot within this group you know what I mean within the changing room you know what I mean it's not just about the pitch it's about coming together as a group you know what I mean that included the fans as well you know what I mean because I saw I saw a passion of supporters which I'd never seen before when I when I came up to South Wales it was so passionate home and away you know what I mean different a different supporter way uh, but the following was in in his droves, and you know what I mean. It's thousands, and you know what I mean. And it, 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 every every away trip was a was a long trip. You know what I mean. And for for Cardiff fans yeah. to still go every single journey in 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 the numbers they did was just just amazing. And I think Sam wanted us to appreciate that because you know what I mean. Win, lose, or draw, we always used to go over to the fans, and you know what I mean. It wasn't always a good reception, but you know you you know yourself if you if you tried your best, supporters will have your back and. You know what I mean, and I think especially that year and the year before, supporters knew that we tried our best, and we lose a draw. You know what I mean? We we were together, and you know what I mean. We we, we did our best, and, and sometimes we just didn't get that get the result that we, that we should have or needed or deserved. But the the, the, the fans knew that we tried our best. Yeah, and I th- like just say about the crowd. Like obviously, you watched you say you watched the Leeds game on uh, TV. Real Ferdinand said afterwards that it was more hostile than Galatasaray. Yeah. Uh, Galatasaray away so I mean you know the fans were very passionate and very loud still are um, yeah. you know Ninian Park particularly was you know it was a special, special place yeah. and uh, I can't talk about it too long and it'll upset me yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you can't recreate that I must feel like can you you can't no. You know what I mean? I said that when Middlesbrough left Ayrson Park to go to uh, the Riverside, that you've, you've got the whole gate in behind the goal where the atmosphere was, where my dad used to take me. And then all of a sudden you're sitting in the stands in comfy seats with zero atmosphere. And you know what I mean? There's, 
no togetherness, you know what I mean? There might be more people there, but it's like... It, Same, it, is it? It's such a depressing depressing part of football, the way that, the way that it's, the way that it's taking this atmosphere away and it's more of a business, but, you know what I mean, hopefully one day that things might be able to evolve a little bit back towards the way that football used to be, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully safe standing will come in. Yeah, and uh, I think that will be a big part of hopefully getting the atmospheres back in grounds. Yeah, uh, I think I think so. I think so. And like the one thing they've done at Cardiff now is they've moved the most vocal part of the crowd away from the away fans. Yeah. So you don't get the banter back and forth. And yeah. yeah, you know, don't get me wrong, at times it can be a bit hostile and a bit tetchy. But generally, like what makes the atmosphere is the banter back and forth as the goals yeah. are going in or yeah. the mistakes are happening or whatever it may be. Yeah. And by moving them to opposite ends of the ground, in a bigger ground, it's, it just takes something away from the, the overall yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so who was, the first, who was the first person you met at Cardiff other than uh, Lenny Lawrence and Sam Mann? Um, it, was, it was a lad I got really close to when I was at Cardiff. It was Gethin Jones. So I met, uh, I met Geth. Um, when I cause when I went to Ninian Park, uh, went for a cup of coffee just while I, I paperwork and things were getting done, and he was there with Michael Simpkins, and uh, oh, they were they were really good friends together, and uh, and yeah, it was it was nice to meet a couple of younger players who, you know, what I mean, who wanted to try and break into that first team, and you know, what I mean, but because I I knew I knew I was there to do to do a job to be a, and to be a big player, and uh, and. Uh, and you know, I, mean, I was at, at the time. It was probably a different skill to what to what they were there to to do for the football club. But it was a, uh, it was nice and refreshing to see some younger players. Yeah, before I seen the first team the next day. Yeah, like obviously you came in. You were highly rated, one yeah. million pounds, which is quite a lot of money for a you know a second division club at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, like Stoke, this, like you mentioned before, the season before we went up, the uh, the Stoke game was really bitter pill to swallow because we'd had a really good season. Yeah. And it just to fall at that sort of last hurdle, we'd come close as well, close to the playoffs and just sort of missed out in the seasons before. I think it was the season before. I think we just missed out on the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, my memory's not great, mind. But obviously we've lost to Stoke over two legs. And like you say, generally over two legs, the better team will, will, will win. Um, I think it's just the way that that game went. You know what I mean? We went we went to Stoke and uh, the game the game wasn't great. You know what I mean? We we won we won two one. You know what I mean? We we played at home and uh, I remember they scored a free kick last uh, I think it was eight eighty eighth minute. You know what I mean? We took the game into extra time and and then scored again just before penalties and it was it was the timing I think the timing of the goals were, were probably the killer. You know what I mean? But there was no there was nothing on effort. There was nothing on commitment or quality. It was just. The game was so nervous and so on edge, you know what I mean? That I think, uh, I think the next year we then realised how to deal with that situation and how to get over the line, especially the Bristol City games, you know what I mean? Because there were similar games to the Bristol City to, to the to the Stoke City games, but we managed to see the see both games out in a in a better manner. Yeah, and I think the playoffs is um, it's really tense. It's not very often you see the playoffs semi-finals. You know, you don't very often see like a three nil and then a four nil, or it's, yeah. they're always close and tetchy and tense. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that the experience of the Stoke disappointment meant that the players seemed to be easy, 
or more capable maybe or just be able to deal with the pressure the following season yeah you know better like you say so okay let's talk about the game so for me this is one of my most memorable nights out ever because it sort of had to be been on the beers most of the day i spent i spent the majority of the day like in the pub but i was on the phone constantly trying to get my little brother a ticket all right okay we managed to get him a ticket like right at the last minute i don't know how close but you know it was very touch and go for a bit and we managed to get sort of two two tickets elsewhere in the ground which were a better position and they were like on the halfway line in the middle so i was like right i'll have the two tickets on the middle so i went and sat there with my mate and i gave the the other two to my uh my brother and one of the other boys but it was like just a great day and it was again close game really close and it went to extra time yeah and um just you sort of breaking through and where you've hit it and it's looping over the keeper it's like slow motion it's sort of going over and i'm sat on the halfway line right behind you so me and my mates were just looking and the ball's going over and it's like seemed to take forever to drop for the keeper I know that feeling. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it's all. And I've spoken to Chris Day, the goalkeeper, about it. You know, what I mean, we've had uh, we had a conversation. I think it was two, two about two years after uh, I seen him on holiday, and it was a. Um, uh, uh, I think he said, you know, he said if I'd, I'd hit it too sweet, you know what I mean, and, and I knew I knew when I hit it was going in because it was it was it just looped at the right time, and you know what I mean. He couldn't. He just I don't think he got anything to it. You know what I mean? It was just it was inch perfect. That when I hit it, I knew it was in and. Uh, and uh, the, 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 it was the noise. It was the noise what got me after that. It was the, the delirium and um, how ecstatic, you know, and the, the players. I just remember being at the bottom of the pile, uh, and, uh, and, that, and, that, and that was it. I, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what happened after that goal for the rest of the game. You know what I mean? It was like somebody brought me off and I was sat somewhere else because I can't remember the thing about it. You know what I mean? I remember the final whistle. And that's about it. So for the next three, four, maybe five minutes. You know what I mean? I've seen the video and I've watched the game and I've seen me running around, but I can't remember it. I can't recall what happened and I can't remember touching the ball again. And it's just the most surreal thing because, you know what I mean? Five minutes is a long time in your life to, to not remember. And uh, and especially when you, you've watched it over and over again. And, you know what I mean? You, you're waiting for that whistle. You want the whistle to come. And, you know what I mean? They're piling the pressure on and you don't want to take a penalty. You don't want to lose in the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. It, the, the, no. Everything was written in the stars, you know what I mean? And, and, and for... We, we spoke about this, you know what I mean, that, that, that there's the one thing we can't do is lose, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, we, we've come too far that year and we, 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 we learned a really bad lesson the year, year before against uh, Stoke City. We, we could not, we could not fall, you know what I mean, Bristol, uh, uh, QPR have had, a, have had a good season. We beat them twice. We beat them quite comfortably down at Loftus, Loftus Road 4-0. You know what I mean, and, and and things didn't work out the way that we expected them to on the day. You know what I mean, because Ernie ran right and lost this road, but uh, Danny Shipman and Clark Carlisle marking really well, and it just wasn't his game. And, and I remember the I remember the reaction of the fans when uh, when I came on, uh, because they were all very uh, very shocked that Ernie had been brought off. He'd scored what 37, 38 goals that, that that season, and you know what I mean. He was the only player which which was probably expected to score in the game, and and and, and rightly so. Um, so the reaction was quite shocked and uh, when I came on and, and I, I had a point to prove, you know, because I'd been injured previously about three weeks before I'd had an operation on my groin, so I was touching go for if I was gonna make the game and uh but it was such a so, such a, a surreal feeling to be able to um to be the person who who scored the goal, you know what I mean? And and and, and I remember 
speaking after the game to a couple of people and, and people say you don't know you don't realize what you've done and people will never forget and my reaction is of course will forget you know what i mean give it give it a year or two or a few years and what we 16 years down the line and i've been back a couple of times and it's 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 probably it's probably more spoke about now than it was when it happened and and i i never thought that would happen and you know what i mean it people People have a have a great memory, and I'll and I'll never forget how 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 nice people have been about it because it's just, you know, what I mean to to both me and my family because it's just a, you know, I was doing my job at the time and I I didn't realize how 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 many lives I'd made happy that day and you know what I mean like you said the night out we I think we went out on the Tuesday because that game was a Sunday uh, and uh, I didn't have to put my hand in my pocket once all day I was I think we started drinking at twelve o'clock and I can't remember I think I remember not finished on Wednesday five in the morning and I didn't buy a drink all day and all night. It was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was a it was a long, long few days after that. Yeah, God, I would just remember being outside the city arms because it was just opposite the stadium and just I don't even know what time we I think I just I vaguely remember going home to my mum's at like something like six AM in the morning. And she's like getting up to getting ready to go out, like and going yeah, yeah. out a day, like but just, just, just literally just sat outside the city arms, drinking beer, singing songs. It was just an incredible day, and it's one which I'll always, always remember. Yeah. And it, like you say, it did feel a bit like it was written in the stars, but the failure bef- the year before, yeah. and then the final at the Millennium Stadium, we'd yeah. comfortably beaten QPR. So you're thinking, this is it now. You know, it's in Cardiff. We've beaten them easy up in uh, Loftus Road. And like you say, the game was a bit more tense and touchy, as it, you know, as a lot of finals are. But yeah. So obviously, you've played with some quality players during your time at all your clubs, but uh, particularly at Cardiff, there were some really, really good players during your time there. You know, yeah. think uh, who was the best player you've ever played alongside, or who was the best player you've ever played alongside, and who's the best player you played alongside at Cardiff? Uh, I think the best player I played alongside in my career has got to be Janino. You know, what I mean, the first, especially the first time he came, you know, Brazilian international, he had, he had he had a lot. You know, what I mean, like the world, the world's world class footballer is branded about quite uh, quite easily nowadays because there are there are that many. But I think, I'm going back to what ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. He was he was world class, and uh, if he was in the Premier League now, he'd he, he would certainly fit in this Man City mould or Liverpool mould, and you know what I mean. And he would be he would be Champions League, and I'd be disappointed if he didn't didn't win the Champions League. He, he was that good, but going on to City, uh, th- th- this this man in particular, I thought he had, he had a lot, and I, I watched him um, I watched him closely once uh, playing for, uh, play for Wales and Liverpool, and Danny Gabidon. And uh, yeah, Wales played uh, Italy. I think it was in the Euro Euro qualifier. They beat them two one, and yeah. uh, Gabs marked um, Del Piero out of the game quite comfortably. You know what I mean? He's a, a League One player marking um, one of uh, one of the Champions League's best ever players out of the game really easily. And he had the lot. He was good in the air. He was comfortable on the ball. He 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 was he was so quick. It was it was scary. Football just looked so easy for him, and it wasn't a surprise to me when. Um, when you see him make that step up to the Premier League, and and if it wasn't for some uh, some long term injuries for Gabs, he, he he would have gone even for me. Certainly would have gone even higher because uh, he had he had he had a lot and more. You know what I mean? He was, but not just that. He was a, he was a, he was a lovely, genuine, genuinely nice lad off the pitch as well. He had the he had a lot, and you know that if 
if he'd have been, if he'd have been playing in the, in the Welsh squad for for the last Euros, you know, what I mean? if he if he was if he was that age, you know, what I mean that that would have made him even better, even stronger because he he was that good and you know Wales was 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 so close to to achieving something in the, in that Euros and you you know what I mean you look at the players from previous years who, who who could have made them could have made them even better if there was a Bellamy or a, a Danny Gabidon or you know that, that it's it's fine margins and you know what I mean Gabs was that good who who, who could have made who could have made that difference but yeah for me it was uh, and, and and don't get me wrong Robert Earnshaws James Collins Graham Kavanagh Peter Thorne you know what I mean we had some we had some excellent players but he he stood out he stood out a mile for me because he was he was that good I always say about um, Danny Gabidon is that. If he hadn't had the injuries he'd had, he was capable of being similar to Rio Ferdinand. Oh, a million percent. He million. played for a top club and they were exactly, you know, just like a Rolls Royce of a defender, as it were, to yeah. use a cliche. Yeah, he was. Um, what was your biggest regret at Cardiff? Um, uh, I, missed a, I missed an important penalty against Leeds United, which, uh, which, which was... Uh, Bad timing, uh, bad judgment. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a regret. Everyone makes mistakes. It was a, it was a genuine football error. Um, I wouldn't say I had a regret, um, really, because you know what I mean. I signed at the right time. I probably left at the right time. So you know what I mean. I enjoyed my time there. There was there was no real regret. You know what I mean. Me and Dave Dave Jones didn't say either way, but that was that was from both sides, and, and he didn't think I was a very good player. So. I moved on. That was that was as simple as it was. It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a regret. You know what I mean. I wish yeah. things probably would have. Would I think I would have. I would have liked to leave under better, better circumstances and in, in, in maybe a, in a better way. But that's football, and I, I still love the. I love, still love the city. Love the football club. So you know, it hasn't hasn't stopped that at all. So, what's the craziest thing you've ever witnessed or experienced during your career? Oh, good question. Um, the craziest thing I've witnessed. Um, oh God, put me on the spot. Uh, I, I'd probably, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, 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 for me, for me personally, it's probably, it's probably, it's probably the, the surrealness of, of of playing for a country and playing with world class players. You know what I mean? That I've, I've played with Stephen Gerrard, Michael Owen. People have won Champions League. People have won the Ballon d'Or. You know what I mean? So for me, the weirdest thing is is to be on that pitch, ready to start a football match in Spain for the World Cup qualifier with Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, Emil Heskey, Michael Owen, Stephen Gerrard. You know what I mean? And I'm on the I'm on this team photo. So for me, it's the weirdest thing. Looking back in my career now, that um, that that that's that happened, you know what I mean? That 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 uh, a local boy from from Middlesbrough uh, who who ended up playing in in the same kind of team as some of these world class footballers was just the, the the craziest and the maddest thing I could ever imagine. Yeah, so you were so you played with played with England. That must have been he like same as your you know your Middlesbrough debut. It must have been something so surreal and just like I say, it must be so much pride in that. How many caps did you make? Uh, well, I got six six hundred twenty one caps, and I made I made my first debut. I well, my first debut. I made my debut at uh, at the Riverside. So I didn't know if I didn't know if 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 I was only there because I was a Middlesbrough player to get the crowd in. You know what I mean? So we I played uh, I played that game. We played Slovakia. Beat them six one. 
um, set a couple of goals. I was quite happy with the way I played, and so I went back to obviously to training the next day at Middlesbrough and, and keep kept plugging away, kept working hard, and and got my next cap. So then that, that that's when I really thought that I'd earned it because it wasn't at Middlesbrough; it was somewhere else. So then I thought I felt a little bit more comfortable uh, in what I was doing, and and then got selected for the uh, for the European Championships uh, in the summer. Didn't go the way that we wanted them as a country, but. Um, still had a great experience, you know what I mean? We got beat in the group stage and played against Italy, Slovakia, um, uh, and Turkey. And it was just, it was just, a, it was it, to be away there with with world class with world class players and to play against world class world class players for for three weeks was a great experience and and something that no one can take away. And the, the, the caps I have got, no one can take away, you know what I mean? Because I've I've scored for my country, I played for my country, and it's just been. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a really good time. It was, I just, it was obviously disappointed that I didn't end up making a, a, a full cap. But you know, I mean, we had I had Michael Owen ahead of me. I had Emil Heskey yeah. ahead of me. I had, I had these these kind of players were showing them people like went that, on to play, Yeah, went on to play for Alan Shearer. You know, and they, these kind of players, young players, went on to play bigger and better things with, with the likes of Alan Shearer and Sheringham and and people like that. So you know what I mean? At, at the time, I was I was fighting a losing battle against those kind of world class players. So it was. A, it was a difficult one, but fair play to them, lot. Yeah, it must be. Sir, does it? Um, you see, no one can take those caps off you, though, can they? That's oh, no. the thing. And, that's, and uh, so, in about, around 2012, you dabbled in a bit of man- management, or so it says on your Wikipedia page. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, I was still playing, uh, and I thought uh, a job came available, so I thought I'd, 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 I'd apply. Uh, see if uh, if if management suited me and I suited management. Uh, see if I was uh, if I was any good. And uh, first season got relegated, but really enjoyed it and and, and felt it though it wasn't a personal uh, slant on, on on my performance. I just thought it was circumstances, budgets and stuff. So talked to the chairman in the summer and and, and outlaid my plans of what I wanted to do and uh, and and to give me another season. He gave me another season. We got promoted. We won a cup. Uh, and I was quite pleased with where things went, and uh, and decided to progress on and move up the ladder and and go to a better team, which uh, saved them from relegation. And um, but then you then you judged on results, you judged on performances, you judged on how the club's doing progression wise. And um, and unfortunately, the year after, I ended up losing losing my job through uh, just through results. And uh, I'm I'm not bitter, you know what I mean? It was a it was maybe if I wasn't good enough, the players weren't good enough. But I would never come out directly and say you know what I mean. It was my, I picked the team, I bought the players, I. I did this, I did that, and it was uh, it was a personal uh, a personal decision, and you know what I mean. It was a it was a decision decision that I took I took uh, I took well, and 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 I'm waiting for the right opportunity to potentially get get back into it. Cool, cool, that's good. Be good to see you back uh, back back in and around the game. So, uh, what have you been up to then? To sort of since then, 2012. Or since you stopped the, or the last management job, should I say? Um, well, football-wise, I'm uh, I've got my boots back on. Uh, well, I've t- just turned forty. Um, I played all last season uh, in uh, local 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 league, so what we semi-pro league, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it again this season because uh, it was uh, it was a bit of a struggle uh, mm. this season. Playing against 17, 18, 19 year old lads is uh, is enjoyable up to a, up to a probably a 65, 70 minute period, and then. Uh, the last 20 minutes is a struggle. It was more of a social thing that I like that the banter with the changing room, enjoy a pint after. But you know, what I mean, I'm lucky. I'm lucky around here that they do uh, over 40s leagues and uh, and things. So uh, that might be a it might be a, 
a way to stay in football a bit longer for me because to play 80 minute games and it's everyone's a similar age older than me now so it's uh, you know what I mean I think that uh, uh, I think that that kind of level might be crying out just I just want to keep fit I enjoy the social side I, you know what I mean? I enjoy the banter of the changing room. So I want to I want to try and play as long as I can. People say, when I retired the first time, uh, people said, you'll miss it too much. You want to get back into it. So I did. Um, then I retired again. Um, missed it again. I wanted to get back in. So I think third time lucky. When I do retire eventually for the third time, that'll, that'll, that will be it. So uh, I, I have said that to everybody that next time I do retire, that I don't think that I'll be able to come back from that because, uh, as I say, 40, 40-year-old, uh, 40 uh Legs are still working. Brain works probably better than my legs, uh, but I'm having to work ten times as hard to get fitter than everybody else, which uh, which I'm not really enjoying doing. Uh, but needs must to try and uh, to try and keep my boots on for as long as I can, really. Yeah, well, that's it, and then it's the social side of it as well. Like you say, the banter and the just you know, like the beers afterwards, and it's just yeah. keeping fit, keeping going. Yeah. It's only good things. Um, okay. Um, so, just after we do this, I, if you wouldn't mind just doing a 60-second quick-fire questions, it'll take like a yeah, minute, yeah, yeah. then I can put it out yeah, as no a one. short video. Um, yeah. I'll cut that little bit out now. Uh, okay. Uh, Andy, so thanks so much, mate, for uh, joining me. I, uh, I really do appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Uh, you're quite active on Twitter, so tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, so I'm um, Andy Campbell 32 uh, on Twitter, and it's uh, I'm very honest uh, on my Twitter. Probably too honest, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, Derby fans don't like me at the minute. Uh, obviously, for me, uh, for me tweets about the snow last year, so it's a bit of humour, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't put things offensive on them. Quite light-hearted, you know. That I do, uh, you know, I do realise it's not real life as well. So it's, uh, but it's it's good fun, and uh, and as long as people take it light-hearted, then we can have uh, we can have some fun along the way. Yeah, a bit of banter with the Swansea fans as well. I've seen. Uh, yeah, it's got to be done. I, hope t- I hope they take it the right way as well, though, because it's, uh, like I said, football's not, you know what I mean? It's not life and death, you know what I mean? I know it's important and it's part of people's lives, but end of the day, when you see things like Paul Gascoigne and, you know what I mean, I know there's rivalries between countries, England and Wales and Scotland and Ireland and, and whatnot, but it's this is this, this weird life, you know what I mean? And it, that's someone's dad, that's someone's husband, that's someone's son. You know what I mean? That 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 things things are more serious than uh, than than some someone trying taking a tweet uh, far too seriously. Absolutely, <clears throat> and um, yeah, like I say again about Gaza, I just really really hope that you know someone can get hold of him or someone can get in touch with him and give him the help support he needs. And I mean, <clears throat> whenever I do all the mental health shows on this, I say. If anyone is ever uh, struggling with any sort of mental health issue, it's you know it's never too late. There's always people who will help you. There's always people who will listen, me included. My DMs are open always for people yeah. uh, if they ever need a chat or yeah. whatnot. Um, so, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, which is at acecast underscore nation. You can suggest show subjects, ask questions take part in competitions on our Facebook page. Just search Ace Podcast Nation. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell to get notifications. You can also get all our shows for audio download on podcast.co or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcasts, all those good sites. Uh, get involved by leaving us comments. Interact with us on social media. 
tell us who you want to, uh, who you want us to speak to, and uh, there's more shows and guests coming very soon. Uh, cheers, Andy. Thank what you guys for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.